0: Welcome to the Dildorks Dorky Discourse on Sex, Dating, and Masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan, I'm a sex blogger, a sex journalist, and sometimes I let my boyfriend step on me. Who are you, friend?
1: (laughs) I'm Bex, I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger, and I just… Ah, kick it off right, I just really like being a fuck toy. (laughs) So I like started to say it and I, so just so y'all know, it's like two in the afternoon where we're recording. It's too early in
0: the day so to I'm hear like, or say the word fuck toy.
1: I'm like sitting in the sun. Some guy's mowing the lawn outside my window. I say there's a lawn. I live in New York City. There is a grass. Um, <laughs> the one guy's just trimming it with a, a scissor. A single blade uh, of grass. A single grass. Um, so Yeah that just sums up my objectification feelings (laughs) yeah kick the episode off right. it's so
0: weird how there are some words that just don't seem appropriate for certain times of (laughs) day
1: like i just ate an english muffin for breakfast like (laughs) and to be fair i woke up at eight i just breakfast took a minute yeah (laughs)
0: Okay, so today we're talking about objectification. It's a big word that I'm sure we'll mispronounce many times throughout the
1: episode. <laughs> oh, yes, quite certainly, yes.
0: So, Bex, in a kink context or a sex context, what do we mean when we say objectification?
1: Uh, reducing a person to an object, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's an object of desire or actual, like, furniture type st- like human furniture play. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that too, about how like in my life there has been sort of two different types of objectification and one of them is the more literal, like you are actually playing or serving the function of a physical object and the other one is more like, you know, when you think of like Victoria's Secret models or Playboy models, like the type of objectification that people say that they uh, go through, uh, being seen as just a sexual object. And um, it's kind of a touchy subject because like, especially as like feminist folks uh like we're often told that this is a bad thing that we should be avoiding and uh outside of kink I think that is true
1: (laughs) (laughs) but like inside of kink though yeah
0: so how can it how can it be good or like consensual or like how can it feel good to be objectified
1: I don't know for me it's about like not just being someone's toy, but being their favorite toy, Mm -hmm. the way someone cares for, like, a treasured possession, Mm -hmm. uh, is, feels really, really good to me. Also, the idea of being reduced to something exclusively used for, like, sexual pleasure
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, is really, really hot. That, like, they enjoy, almost like they enjoy me sexually so much that that can be the full... Function I serve <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah, like <laughs> that's it. That's all they need. And like for more literal objectification stuff, like I don't, I, I ain't gotta think about shit if I'm a table. <laughs> like <laughs> tables don't pay taxes. <laughs> tables don't have work on Monday. <laughs> it's fucking fine.
0: That's so good. Yeah. I really like that you brought up the more positive aspect of it, because I think objectification is often equated with sort of like humiliation or degradation play, which certainly it is that for a lot of people. Like uh, Max on the Off the Cuffs podcast, I remember told this story once about playing the role of a human garbage can at a party, and I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I just imagine people like like throwing cigarette butts at him and stuff. Um, but like personally that's not really my brand of objectification I'm more like I'm more into the type that you described which is of like being a favorite toy or being a prized possession and I also really like the element of like being valued for my sexuality and attractiveness because like those are both things that I have a lot of anxiety about and like when a partner is into me, I often write it off as, like, oh, they just think I'm hot because they like my personality, like, as if that's any less legitimate, but part of me does feel that way, and so, like, <laughs> when we're doing a scene where they are just, like, brazenly lusting over my appearance and my body and everything, and that makes me feel much better about those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like, nah, I, I know I'm charming, <laughs> I know my personality is great, thanks, but can we talk about my ass for a moment? <laughs>
0: yep yep and also like the element of like not having to think about things and just being able to turn your brain off is really really good because as an object like usually i think you're taking on kind of a more passive role not necessarily but your function is usually like to be used or to be looked at or something and so yeah you don't really have to do much heavy lifting and like that is a large part of what i enjoy about submissiveness in general is like not having to think about things and just being able to give up control.
1: And what's nice is the parameters are very clear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times with that kind of like human furniture objectification, you are serving a function, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's a table or a footrest, or you're holding something for someone, or even um, I've seen really, really gorgeous scenes where you're basically art for a party Mm-hmm. um, like suspension work and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and your parameters are very clear. You have one function, you know what it is and you can do it. And it's requires enough attention that it keeps your mind from floating away to other things, right? You're sitting there and you're saying, don't move, don't drop this glass that's on my back or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't require in-depth thought. It requires one thought, which is don't move. Right. Right. <laughs> And it's very easy to get into that like floaty, effortless space Mm -hmm. when you have one thing to focus on.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like, it makes me think of like meditation or certain religious practices where you're encouraged to like hold a difficult position or just hold still in a certain position like kneeling or legs crossed or whatever. And part of the difficulty of doing that is holding the position, but also putting the focus on holding the position can really help focus your mind and clear your thoughts in a way that almost nothing else does.
1: Yeah. And I often find that there's this moment of like, so you start out and you're like, yeah, I just, I sit like this. I just sit like this. My (laughs) body's fine like this. This is cool. And then a few minutes pass and you're like, oh my God, I need to move. (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Like, everything's seizing up, everything's terrible, and then a few more minutes pass and you're like, I just live like this. (laughs) This is my home. (laughs) I will be in this position forever. (laughs) And you can and you just float away into that, like, peaceful, timeless place.
0: Yeah, it's so nice. I- I've had a couple friends who did, uh, modeling for life drawing classes, Um, And Mm -hmm. I always like to ask them about sort of the psychological strategies that they use to get through that because to me it reminds me a lot of stuff that I do in kink where it's like I just have to get through this next moment. Like no moment is unendurable. Like I can I can hold on and I can stay still. And so I would always ask them like what do you do in your brain when you're you know trying to hold the same position for 40 minutes or however long it is. And it's really interesting how like both of these people gave me very different answers. Like I think one of them said that she just like thinks about whatever. Like she thinks about like what's on her grocery list or like what she has to do later that day and and just kind of like being in her own head helps her keep Uh, keep it in her body whereas the other person said that she was focusing much more on her body and she was like really enjoying that like stretch feeling and it was kind of like yoga in the sense that like you kind of breathe into the discomfort and it gets easier over time so interesting
1: it's funny i know one of the people you're talking about and i don't i feel like i know which answer was hers
0: (laughs) yeah sense, right?
1: (laughs) Yep. You were like, I know people who do figure drawing. And I was like, oh, I know that person. And then you said that answer. And I was like, yep, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Yep. So when
0: did you first realize that you found objectification hot? Do you have a, a memory about this?
1: I don't know. See, here's the thing. Like, I was socialized as a woman So Mm -hmm. what I knew was I was not supposed to like being objectified, but (laughs) like, I kind of did a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that, so like, I knew that was weird,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and I knew like, you know, especially this dialogue about not being like objectified by the world, Mm -hmm. um, and how like, it makes you like not a feminist and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like that, those are all of the feelings I remember around early being into objectification, being like, what do I do with this? Why do I like this thing that's supposed to be terrible? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had a similar experience. Uh, I remember, like, being really frightened that when I started dating men that they would all kind of objectify me and reduce me to my sexual utility. Because, like, there's a lot of media messages about that, particularly about men. Uh, Like, that they only want one thing or, you know, whatever. Which is, like, obviously not true, but it it really seeped in there. And so I was very, very scared of uh, men only liking me for my appearance or my sexuality or something, and I really wanted someone who liked me on a deeper level, and it's funny how now, like, someone liking my appearance actually helps me understand that (laughs) they do like me on a deeper level, kind of in a weird way.
1: Yeah.
0: But also, I remember reading this erotica story. I used to read a lot of erotica anthologies when I was a young thing, which is strange. (laughs) Like, I grew up with the internet, but I was drawn to the books for some reason. And uh, I remember there was this one story... I think it took place at like a kink camp type of event and there was this woman who had uh this uh body modification on her vulva where like her her labia were like laced together or something mm-hmm. i don't really know that much about this but so in the in the story like everybody was coming to look at this because it was so uncommon and they'd never seen anything like it and then this one woman comes over and asks if she can, like, try to perform oral sex on, on the woman, and um, which is, like, difficult because she has to, like, really stick her tongue in there. Uh, and I think, like, that was one of my first memories of, like, sexual objectification as, like, a hot thing because I remember thinking, like, that's so cool that you would have this thing that, like, everybody would want to come and stare at and, like, they don't even really necessarily care that much about you as a person. They're just, like, looking at this one part of you that they find really sexy and interesting. And I was like, hmm, that yeah. might be hot to me. <laughs>
1: And I think what's interesting there and like, which is really real for me is the way that that's linked with exhibitionism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like object being objectified by someone that loves you is one thing. Um, mm-hmm. and one very, like they're two very distinct feels versus being objectified by like a crowd. Right. Uh, and I super enjoy both of them, but in very different ways. <laughs> also really great having someone that super cares about you objectify you in front of a crowd whole other thing though
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's kind of the only situation where i've enjoyed being in front of a crowd in that kind of way like uh when i did a shoot at a sex club with our friend uh whose porn name is dane joe and i was feeling like kind of insecure about my body because all these people were staring at me and i was wearing like lingerie and Dane just started being like, look at her ass. Isn't her ass great? And, like, people were just <laughs> applauding for my ass. And it was really validating and nice.
1: <laughs> That's really amazing. I love that. Yep.
0: So tell me about some of your favorite ways to play with objectification in scenes.
1: I really like, I'm going to bring it back to service again, but <laughs> I really like um, having a, like, specific service task that I'm, like a function,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, that I'm serving, whether it is, you know, a piece of furniture or whether that object that I am is a sex toy, uh, Mm -hmm. which is something that I really enjoy. Um, one thing I really enjoy with that human furniture thing is, uh, using it as aftercare Mm. because I, like, it keeps me in that subby place and lets me come out of it more gracefully. Mm -hmm. Um, because especially towards the end of a scene, if it's a more intense scene, and that's the only kind of stuff that I'll do with someone that I'm, like, either in a relationship with or, like, more connected with and needing more aftercare after a scene. If I'm playing more casually with people, usually my aftercare is to, like, introvert. Yeah. Um, but if I'm looking for more connection with someone after a scene, Uh, that kind of human furniture stuff is really nice because it it keeps me in that floaty space and it keeps me feeling subby, but I also don't feel like I'm just sitting there being useless and boring.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm sitting there in that floaty space, kind of waking up slowly while serving a purpose and a function. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. That sounds really good. And I would like to try that now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Footstools great
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I tried the the human furniture thing fairly recently for the first time and I was interested in it because like I have chronic joint pain like especially bad in my knees and so taking on that position for an extended period of time I knew would be like quite painful and I was kind of interested in the question of like whether putting it in a kink context would make it easier to handle that pain or would make that pain pleasurable in some way and so I uh, took on the footstool position, all just like crumpled up in a little ball, and my partner put his feet on me, and then he read me a couple chapters from Lolita, which he was reading (laughs) to me at the time, and that was really nice, because like, I could, yeah, I could just like listen to that and have that to focus on instead of the pain, and uh, yeah, it was really nice just to just be able to like relax into that and not have to do anything except kind of get through the discomfort of it. Yeah. I also like a lot of my fantasies involve objectification uh, in the sense of like being used like a sex toy. Um, Like, I'm going to fuck you the way that feels good for me. And like, I don't care if like your pleasure is uh, a result of that or not. And that kind of thing. Like, I really like the idea of a partner like fucking me in a way that they know is going to make me come purely because like me coming will feel good for them. Yes. That is a, a recurring We're... fantasy for me.
1: <laughs> yes. I also really like the idea of existing in a space simply so that I'm there whenever my partner wants to get off.
2: Hmm. Um,
1: like being the so resident just...
0: blowjob person.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, you know, sitting in an office while they're working, like reading a book until they're like, oh, come over here. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just like being ignored while getting someone off. So, like, Mm -hmm. being expected to give them a blowjob while they're doing other shit. Um, like, that kind of stuff. Uh, also the slightly more degrading version of just having to be, like, bent over somewhere and just, like, waiting to get fucked if someone needs to use me.
2: (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> fuck toy life.
0: <laughs> Living that fuck toy lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's A friendly good. update, y'all. It is now two forty-seven in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> Still too early to be saying.
1: <laughs> and I'm just talking about having my holes there available for use. It's fine. <laughs>
0: I mean, if whatever. you were a literal fuck toy, like you would have to be available round the clock. So it makes sense. <laughs> available to be round the clock, round the clock. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I also I always feel objectified whenever someone comes on me, like on my chest or my face or whatever which, like, Mm -hmm. has been a good or a bad thing in the past, like, depending on context, because, like, I've had casual, like, one-off hookups come on me, like, without asking if that was okay. And Mm -hmm. um, then I would feel sort of, like, objectified in, like, that non-consensual, like, dirty way. Like, I just wasn't into it. And then I've had partners, like, pre-negotiate that with me or ask me a little bit before. And when they do that, it makes me feel really, like, cherished and treasured because i can see that they're like getting themselves off to the sight of me and to like they're like excited by the thought of coming on me so that one can even go either way for me but like obviously consent is kind of the deciding factor
1: yeah who to thunk
0: <laughs> i've also had fantasies about being a sex doll like literally yeah. being a sex doll like if i if like which i know is like a fairly common fantasy like bimboification or like dollification um is the idea of like either becoming a doll that like looks like a bimbo or whatever or like becoming this sort of like vapid usable thing and I'm kind of into that I think I'm into that for similar reasons that I'm into being furniture like I can be useful but I don't really have to do anything or think about anything and I'm just being enjoyed for my appearance and my utility
1: that's really interesting to me, because I didn't realize it until you're saying that, but, like, the humanity of being a person forced to be an object is what's mm-hmm. hot to me. Like, role oh, playing as an actual object? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. pretending I'm a table is not hot to me, but being a human forced to act like a table is. Um, okay. And I think it again comes from like two of those angles where if we're coming at it from the more degrading um, angle, which I am into, uh, it's just a very different energy of scene. Um, But if you're coming from this more like degrading thing, for me, it's I don't even, I don't care enough about your humanity to teach, to treat you like with respect. (laughs) You're an object and you exist just for XYZ thing. Um, Yeah. Which is obviously a much darker scene. Um, (laughs) And like, if you want to get real dark, if you layer on top of that the way people fetishize trans folks and reduce them down to objects that just happen to have two holes and are more exciting, um, you can get to some real fucked up scenes, but that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you get, it feels more degrading to me to be a human that someone considers similar to an object than, uh, to just be an object, if that makes sense. To have my humanity stripped from me as a part of it. Um. Yeah. And then... Totally makes sense, In that more, in that more, like, affectionate and, like, prized possession kind of objectification, it's also important to me that, like, they care enough about me that they have taken on the responsibility of another human, and, like, caring for mm-hmm. that humanity, um, again, is really important versus that, like, you know, I have acquired another object. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, In in thinking about the, the dollification thing more, I think that it is hot to me for similar reasons that, like, pretending to be asleep and getting fucked is hot to me, in that, mm-hmm. like, I get the experience of, like, uh, feeling my partner have sex with me and feeling him, like, enjoy that, but, like, I don't have the pressure of, like, having to react or, like, really do anything, so I can kind of just, like, be a voyeur in some ways, um, and not really have to respond, and so, like, that helps me relax a lot and, like, enjoy perving on my partner.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that really makes sense.
0: I think, like, one of the first scenes I ever did that was sort of objectifying is, uh, it was, like, a spanking scene with a dummy fuck buddy, and he had me, like, be on all fours like a table, and he put three implements on my back, and he was like, I'm gonna use all three of these on you, don't drop them, and so I had to take on that kind of table-like role, and it was not, like, explicitly, like, I'm an object, but, uh, it was very good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds real good.
0: If someone is curious about objectification and wants to, like, dip their toe into it, what would you suggest as a first step?
1: I would say for the first step, uh, outline what it is you want out of objectification. Because we've talked about a really wide breadth yeah. of what objectification is can look like, and I would start with, like, porn and erotica, and, like, if you have friends in the community, talking to them about scenes they've done, and just get a collection of stories and images of what objectification can look like, and pick the ones that look hot for you, Mm -hmm. uh, and start with something really, like, low impact. Um, I went to a class on, uh, what Dr. Ruthie calls loving objectification at Sex Down South a couple of years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they talked about uh, the difference um, when you objectify someone, breaking them down to their core values, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, but building up those core values is one kind of objectification and tearing them apart and making you question those core values is another.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and building someone up is a lot less psychologically dangerous (laughs) than trying to tear them down. Um, and there are a lot less ways that it can go wrong. So I would start, uh, on, like, closer to that side of the spectrum as you can. Mm. Um, and start with that, like, a cared for object. Um, Mm. or even go down. Um, and then I don't know what's scarier, a, like, disregarded object or an ignored object. (laughs) I'm For really me, bad at ignored. being ignored.
2: Yeah, I'm I don't so do bad well at being it.
1: ignored. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I also think if you're interested in the type of objectification that touches on humiliation or degradation i would definitely recommend you read princess callie's book enough to make you blush which is like the best primer to uh, erotic humiliation uh, so yeah. much good stuff in there and, and useful tips for getting started But I think probably the footstool thing is, like, one of the easiest ways to get into it because you really don't have to do very much. Like, as long as you're physically able to maintain the position, which might be difficult. Like, you might have to experiment with, like, if you can't be rolled into a ball, maybe you can just lie flat and still, you know, have your partner's feet on you or whatever. And that's just kind of a way for you to get used to the sensation of, like, having your humanity stripped from you a little bit.
1: And when you're talking about rolling into a ball, it's that yoga, like, child's pose, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, for people who don't, for people who don't <laughs> regularly see people as footstools. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is the position <laughs> that you yeah. do that in. Um, you could also do it on, like, all fours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find child's pose really, it. it's really nice to come down after a scene mm. in that little, like, just curled up like that. Um, I would also say the thing about a footstool, like if you're going to go furniture, I like footstool more than most else, because Mm -hmm. you're still being touched by the person the entire time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like their feet are on you and you're still connected versus like a side table where maybe you're holding their drink Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and they might touch you or might pay attention to you when they pick up their glass, but otherwise you don't get any connection. So yeah, you know, maybe they're not paying attention to you at all. Maybe they're reading a book or watching TV or whatever, but they're still touching you Mm -hmm. and you still have that contact contact, and maybe they are move their foot to the side or like rub your back for a second or whatever. Um, and you have that connection, which I think is really easy to lose in objectification scenes.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I also think like the footstool thing, that's harder to fuck up than, you know, something where you have to keep still or you'll spill their drink or, you know, anything like that. And uh, I know that like when I'm doing a kink thing that's new to me, especially one that could result in like feeling put down in any way, like I like to do something I know I can succeed at because if I feel like I've failed, like even if my partner tells me I did a good job, like that can be really psychologically difficult for me.
1: Yeah, and the thing about like being a side table and being forced to hold a drink or something like that for someone, Mm -hmm. like yeah, you can put someone on all fours and balance a drink on them, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. But for people who can't hold still that long, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's you know joint pain or you know they they'll get shaky or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, or for people who just don't want to, um, you don't have to look like a table to be a table. You Mm -hmm. can kneel and hold a glass. You yeah. can kneel and hold their books for them, and it can be you can serve the function of a table without being a table. So, yep. don't feel like married to like this is how I saw it in <laughs> that porn once. So, this is the only way to do it.
0: <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I know that there's a book that is about being submissive with disabilities. I believe it's called Kneeling in Spirit by Raven Caldera. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I would imagine it touches on stuff like that, but yeah, it's really important to talk about because there are so many things that I feel like a failure about, because um, they're a submissive thing that I can't really do because of my physical limitations. And like, that's, you know, not necessary and there are usually ways to adapt what you're doing to fit what you're able to do.
1: Yeah. What if you did that, like, if you're trying to do more of the like sexual objectification stuff? Mm-hmm. That could integrate really easily into that picking a stranger up at a bar roleplay, right? A partner who you'd know and trust. You know, you attend, you go to the bar separately, you meet up, and they, like, sleazily just come over and pick you up based (laughs) on, like, how hot you are and, like, really very clearly, like, yeah, I want, you know, I'm just going to bring this person home, whatever. And then you can feel that kind of, like you know, you dress up real hot and something you're really confident in and that sort of thing and can kind of play with that, like, what's it like to be a sex object feeling in a really, like, low-pressure, common role-play kind of scenario.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, totally makes sense.
1: And then for me, like, as the person being objectified, sometimes it's fun to, like, lean into the, like, yeah, you know, you're luring them in, Uh you know um with like you know I'm so hot I've got them in the palm of my hand kind of thing Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I've also sometimes felt objectified in a fun way when I've gone like lingerie shopping with a partner or like if they're into feet like go shoe shopping whatever because it's like you know, your partner who loves who you are as a person can tell you that all day, but there is something about them being like very viscerally, physically and visually attracted to you that feels really good or can feel really good. So those are fun things to do.
1: And that stuff that, uh, the stuff you do around letting your partner pick out your outfits too, like Hmm. being kind of a human dress up doll. (laughs) Um, That's so
0: interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it that way.
1: Yeah, but you're, you know, presenting your physical appearance in a way that's pleasing to them, right? Yeah. Um. So you can easily kind of wrap that into an idea of, you know, you'll wear what I want because you'll look how I want. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've had so many vanilla partners who, like, I would ask them what they wanted me to wear to, like, a date or whatever, and they would just be like, wear whatever makes you feel beautiful, which is, like, a very sweet, nice answer, but is not what I'm looking for in those interactions, and I should have been better at, like, you know, communicating what was hot to me about the idea of them dictating my look, but, yeah, my partner now is very into, like, giving me parameters for outfits, and, yeah. Or sometimes, like, specific items he wants me to wear, and I like that so much. Because I feel like I can be the exact object that he wants me to be, and that's a really satisfying feeling for me as a submissive.
1: And it feels so good for someone to have such detailed preferences about you. Yeah. Right? Like, they think so much about you that they know, <laughs> like they know exactly what their favorite way for you to look right now would be, right? They're sitting there fantasizing about you, and that's where they got this idea from. Yeah. Because they didn't just pick something.
0: Yeah, he'll, uh, like, scroll through my Instagram and be like, okay, I want you to wear this dress, your makeup looked really good here, so do that again. I like this lipstick, these earrings, you know? I, I love yeah. that, because he's very thoughtful about it.
1: Yeah, I have, uh, I'm doing, I'm bottoming for a photo shoot later this week, and uh, the person, the dom who's the other person in the shoot, literally sent me a link from my own Instagram and was like, can you wear this? You look really hot. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, perfect. (laughs) Like, that's all I want. Now I don't have to think about it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Like, I was like, sure, I still have that outfit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me, this is only tangentially related, but, like, I think part of what I enjoy about that sexual objectification thing is, like, when I was young, like just starting to go into puberty or whatever, like, like many people, I like was objectified a lot, um, including in like super weird ways. Like, I remember, like, I came out of the bathroom after changing into this new sweater that my mom had bought me uh, on Christmas, and uh, my great uncle like looked at my brand new tits and was like, "Whoa, where did those come from?" And I was like, uh. really embarrassed. Um, I don't think he meant to be shitty, but like, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a pretty common experience to be like objectified in these really non-consensual ways, especially like maybe when you're young and, and are not as capable of like being assertive about that stuff, but even when you're older. And so, you know, as with so many things in kink, it gives you an opportunity to experience consensually and pleasurably something that you might have experienced in less consensual and less pleasurable ways earlier, and that can be really powerful. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about being objectified and I'm wondering if you if you ever have the desire to objectify others and what those desires look like.
1: So you see here's the thing. Every <laughs> once in a while on our show you remind me that topping exists. <laughs> <laughs> and it had literally never occurred to me until this point in the show. Right. That same. I might <laughs>
0: objectify. <it. laughs> I got to this question, I was like, oh, shit, right.
1: Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wild. Um, I don't know. I've- so, that's a lie. So I do have a, like, semi recurring fantasy of a dominant getting a person for me as, like, a present. Like, bringing <laughs> someone home or, mm-hmm. you know, hiring a sex worker or something. That Mm -hmm. is, like, this person is here to make you feel good because I want to watch that happen.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, or because I want someone to go down on you while I fuck you because it'll feel good to feel the way you feel around me while that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, or something along those lines. So in those kinds of scenarios, um, obviously we're very much, uh, we would very much be objectifying the third person, right?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um... So that definitely, but in that case, I'm still not so much a dominant. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just co-bottoming with this other person.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but I don't know that from, like, a toppy headspace that I have any especially strong objectification feelings.
2: hmm
0: Yeah, I don't really either, which is, like, unsurprising, because I'm submissive as fuck. But, like... <laughs> Uh, when I do have them on occasion, they're usually, like, oral servitude types of feelings. Like, I want to, like, sit on someone's face and, like, use them till I'm done, yeah. There's, uh, speaking of erotica anthologies, there was a story in one of them, I think it's Tasting Her, that was edited by Rachel Kramer Bustle, but I'm not positive. But there's a story where, like, there's a dom and a, like, a dom with a me at the end and, uh, <laughs> and her, like, male submissive, and they go to, like, a kink convention together and she decides to have a party where all the female doms can come, and he will go down on all of them and get them all off. And yes. And he, I think he's, like, blindfolded most of the time. And it's, I really love the story because, like, he has to sort of, like, recalibrate with each new person and, like, figure out what's going to get each of them off in, in, like, a pretty short period of time because, like, there's a lot of people there. And so he just, like, gets very, very good very fast at oral servitude, and I love it. I just want to
1: be him. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, I want to be everybody at this party.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Kink life, looking at a scene and wanting to be everyone in it.
0: (laughs) Queer, switchy life.
1: (laughs) Yep. I think an interesting thing, too, and I, I don't I don't know how much this ties into objectification and how much it doesn't. I'm kind of just parsing it out in my head as I say it. So like, bear Mm -hmm. with me. Um, but like, so a lot of my fantasies are not about my own pleasure, but about the pleasure of the person fucking me.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think some of that is gender stuff because generally I'm fantasizing about people with dicks. Mm -hmm. Um, so being (laughs) the one with the dick is appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think some of that comes down to this objectification stuff, right? Like disregarding how things feel for me and really fantasizing about how I feel as an object to that other person.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I do have vaguely toppy objectifying feelings about dicks. Um, but <laughs> like not in any way that has really played out in the real world of my sex life. It's just sort of like You know, I really enjoy them on a tactile and aesthetic level. And I I like the thought of, like, using someone for their dick as a toy. But I feel dominance so rarely that, like, it hasn't really come up that much.
1: (laughs) I do, like... So, obviously, I don't have a factory-installed dick. But if I did, I would Mm -hmm. be really into... And, like, I have... I have definitely thought about this from the dummy side of things and, like, also been into it as a dominant, um, but the idea of fucking someone with a dick and not letting them get off or get soft until you're done, and mm-hmm. being like, you focus on staying hard because I'm using this erection right now, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need it to stick around for a while, <laughs> um, and that level of objectification, yeah, that's real hot.
0: yeah my fantasies along those lines also play into my kind of premature ejaculation kink which Ah. by the way i'm so mad that we forgot to talk about that when we did an episode about orgasm control but now i'm going to talk about it so it's fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) great good good Um,
0: but yeah i'm like i'm really into the idea of like someone uh something feeling so good to someone that they find it difficult to stop themselves from coming and i can think about that in kind of a dummy headspace or more of a neutral one but yeah i do really like the thought of like if someone had to fuck me because they were my fuck toy and i was using their dick etc like that it would be a struggle for them not to come which like i've had vanilla partners in the past who like vaguely had that issue like the way i like to be fucked is like really deep and sometimes that would be like the thing that was getting them off but they had to like struggle against that desire in order to like make me come so like Yeah, it's just a tangled web of good kink feelings.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and like, on top of that is this layer of, sure, it feels good that I'm, like, riding your dick, Mm -hmm. but you can't really enjoy that because you need to focus on not enjoying it and working (laughs) as hard as you can to not enjoy it. So like, (laughs) still not about you at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, just like, think about baseball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is the thing about that baseball thing, though, like, so, I don't know, first of all, I don't know enough about baseball to think about baseball, um, but also, (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I, there's a bat and shit, uh, Yankees, um, (laughs) how about them Yanks? Uh, but, (laughs) so, like, I don't really have a go-to think-about-to-not-get-off thing, because pre-T, it took me a while to get off, so I didn't need one. But that's right. less true now post tea, um, <laughs> And I don't have one yet. But sometimes at work, because I curate videos for Make Love Not Porn, which means I watch people having sex all day for work, um, and sometimes we'll get really hot videos and I'll have to, like, there's a pile of Rubik's Cubes on our desk because my desk buddy has them and i will like take them and be solving a rubik's cube like this is fine this is work sex i need to not and, like it's my version of the baseball but i'm gonna create some fucked up pavlovian reaction like connections with <laughs> rubik's cubes and shit it's just i don't know what i'm building but i'm concerned
0: <laughs> yeah now you have a, a rubik's cube fetish and uh your sex is gonna get really interesting as a result yeah <laughs>
1: Just can you solve this cube while I fuck you?
0: It uh, would be a Lube Beck's cube, if you will.
1: (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) No.
0: Uh, Okay, a listener question. Uh, We actually got two different phrasings of this question. One person was basically like, how can I explain to my partner that I want to be objectified, even though I'm a feminist? And the other person has my favorite phrasing. (laughs) They said, "How do I explain that I can be both a cranky feminist and a
1: cock warmer?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my god. I love it. <laughs> um that's wonderful. I think you literally you just say that. Mm-hmm. Um and you talk about what is hot of, what is hot to you about this thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing with someone who can't recognize the difference between fantasy and the things that you want in your real life uh maybe not a great partner for playing with some (laughs) kinky shit yeah because there are plenty of other places where that (laughs) that would get confusing
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i found it helpful to yeah explain what i find hot about it explain uh why it's gratifying psychologically even on like not a sexy level like why it can be you know healing or comforting or whatever um and then also sometimes it's it's good to show them kind of like media models of what kind of thing you're looking for like an erotica story or a porn scene or something because sometimes some of their resistance might be like they don't quite understand what you're asking for or they feel kind of nervous about it so that can be helpful for that
1: yeah absolutely i always find with anything not just this um It's so much easier to be like, I would like to try being your footstool, than to be like, I want to be objectified. Yes. Because, especially for people who are not, like, really involved in the kink scene, hearing just the name of a kink does not give them a ton of information, and can send their brain in a million directions. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think more, a lot, I think really experienced kink players would know that the next question is, great, what do you want that to look like? Um, or I don't know if I'm down, what do you want that to look like? Like whatever. Um, but I think newer folks, it's more helpful to give them more specific, like tell them what that can look like.
0: Yeah. And in terms of the feminist piece, Uh, I've often found it helpful to just remind folks that, like, feminism is about freedom of choice, like, that is a huge part of what it is, Uh, and so when you tell me, a woman, that I uh, can't participate in the objectifying or degrading behaviors I want to participate in because I'm a woman, uh, that is kind of antithetical to what feminism is trying (laughs) to achieve, like uh i'm being oppressed and and being denied things because i'm a woman i mean obviously it's like quite on a different scale than like massive global oppression but it is kind of like strange that people see this as like a feminist act to tell you like no you shouldn't do this thing you want to do
1: yeah yeah you women are wrong about what you enjoy we are here (laughs) to tell you what you really enjoy
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, like, honestly don't realize how backwards that is, and if you explain it to them, that can sometimes be helpful. Yeah. Another listener wanted to know if a sub can objectify their dom, and uh, I actually have quite a bit of experience with this. Um, So when I first met my partner, I was quite enthralled with how handsome he is. I mean, like, TVH I still am, but I've just, like, looked at his face enough that it's slightly less... uh, it, it doesn't make, you know, alarm bells go off in my heart every time I... Well, it does. Anyway, whatever. Um, So I, I used to joke that, like, his handsomeness and his, like, visceral physical attractiveness to me was uh, a tool of dominance over me in a way. Because, like, he didn't even need to do very much. He could just, like, look at me or say something and I would get, like, really flustered and just, you know, feel completely, like, not myself. And so... In that sense, I was sort of objectifying him because, like, that was largely about just, like, his face and his body and stuff. <laughs> but even still, like, sometimes he'll wear things that he knows make me swoon, because as a top and a dummy person, like, he likes getting that reaction. Like, he'll wear, like, a suit or a white t-shirt or something, or, like, a, a cologne that he knows I like a lot. And so, like, in a sense, like, I am objectifying him, but he is, like, using that In his Dami plot to control me. So it's kind of (laughs) cool.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely uh, somewhat objectified my last dominant. Um, Mm -hmm. It manifested more as worship because I was like super into him. He's real attractive Um, and it like we played with that a lot as well. And it definitely, like, it was still a reduction down to being focused on things I found really attractive about him. Um, And I was Mm -hmm. still reducing him down to, like, physical stuff when we played like that. Um, But it was from more of an angle of worship than of humiliation. Um, Yeah. Also, though, on top of that, uh, it's possible to, I think there's a big problem with objectifying dominance in the kink scene, uh, because there are a lot of dominants out there who get reduced down to their skills. Mm. Um, so I'm into rope and I'm going to play with the first person I find who knows how to tie me. I want to get hit, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to play with the first person I know who has a throg, who has a flogger that they can throw. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's important to not reduce our dominance down to that and focus on the reason. focus on people you're attracted to and drawn to and the reasons you want to play with that person and then Mm -hmm. build a scene around the things that you're both excited about. But like start with the person, not the activity, and that's not something we see nearly often enough in the kink scene, unfortunately. And a Mm -hmm. lot of my dominant friends have really complained about being kind of reduced down to a kink machine, basically, like a service. And if you yeah. want that, hire a service provider, like there are pro-doms right. <laughs> who will do that.
0: Yeah. And th- that's a great point. And like, I have also seen that approach, like harm me as a submissive, because if I'm just looking for a person who has the physical skills I want, sometimes that's brought me into connections with people who are like not good people, but who just happened to have a skill that I was looking for. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's not a great approach either way. Yeah. And and what you just said reminded me also like I wanted to talk about aftercare a little bit before we sign off and like mm-hmm. I have found when doing objectification that one of the best ways to do aftercare is to be told what the other person likes about me as a human, you know, to kind of like bring you back into your sense that you are a person who is appreciated. So, you know, them talking about how smart and funny and good I am, that can all be really nice.
1: Yeah. Um for me in a, like, longer-term dynamic, if I'm playing in a scene with someone who I have, like, this kind of long-term DS ownership kind of role, mm-hmm. um, it can actually be really helpful for me to hear what a good object I was, too. Mm-hmm. Like, how good I was at, you know, being a fuck toy or being a footstool or whatever, and, like, reminded that I'm a favorite of that, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and, kind of validating that in the kind of service that I did, as well as kind of bringing me back into my humanity.
0: Yep. Very good. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Dildorks. I hope you didn't object to any of it. (laughs) Okay. I'll allow it. I have been Kate Sloan. You can find my sex blog at girlyjuice.net and the rest of my writing at katewritesaboutsex.com. I have my year-end series, 12 Days of Girly Juice, starting up soon on my blog, and it's where I kind of wrap up all my fave things from the year. It's a lot of blog posts, <laughs> uh, but that'll be happening throughout December, so you can check that out at girlyjuice.net. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where's your stuff?
1: I'm Bex, you can find all my writing at BexTalkSex.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BexTalkSex. Together with the Dildorks, we're at the Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram and at the Dildorks.com. You can also find us by searching the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app. While you're there, rate and review us, it brings us up in the charts and makes us easier for other sex nerds to find. If you want to support us by tossing a couple of bucks our way, you can go to patreon.com slash the and sign up for a pledge there.
0: Thank you so much to Protodome who let us use his song I Want You in My Bedroom as our theme song. And thank you to Amy. She did our logo. She's at starboots underscore on Twitter. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. 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 <laughs>
1: You layer in on top of that the whole trans fetishes, fetishes, you know the word I want. I have a cold and I can't get my mouth around it because of all the mucus. It's really gross. Um,
0: what is but fetishization? The way is that what we're going for.
1: Listen to these three dirty talk suggestions. Uh, describe the five senses or make them describe it. How does blank feel, smell, taste, etc.? Things I secretly know about, forecast the future, guess about the past, talk about the ways you'll use them or other people will use them. Uh, (laughs) So for example, you're such a slut, you know how I know you're a slut because you came into a stranger's hotel room and my hand slipped in you so easily and everyone's going to see that bruise on your ass and know you're a slut. (laughs) I was like, oh. Um, Yeah. We can talk about balloon bondage.
0: no idea what that is but yep
1: (laughs) really you wrap the balloons around someone and they have to not pop them
0: whoa (laughs) (laughs) i was picturing being tied up with like deflated balloons
1: no you get tied up in the same like the way a clown ties those big balloons oh my god they use those and wrap you up in them and you can't pop them
0: I'm like, you know that meme where it's like that woman doing calculations in her head? That's me like, how do I top?